This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, number one podcast in Oakland, number one podcast in the Bay Area. And today is a special occasion because we have one of the brightest up-and-coming authors of this generation. No, I'm not talking about Alex Haley. No, I'm not talking about uh, Bald, what's that nigga name, Baldwin? James Baldwin? Yeah, James Baldwin. (laughs) But... The sky is the limit for this, brother. Welcome to the show, Bryce and Clark. Thank you for having me, Jordan. Appreciate How was your day today? It's been good, man. Typical uh, laid-back Sunday. Beautiful weather. I feel like we're getting like the last of that mm-hmm. that that good weather before it starts to get cold. And yeah, so I'm, I'm all here for it. All right, so we let's dive let's dive right into it. Um, you are a author. How many books do you have out? Eight. Eight. Yep. What was your first book? First book was a children's book about natural hair, uh-huh. black women. Uh-huh. It's titled "Can I Touch Your Hair?" Uh-huh. I was uh, me and my my partner, old, old business partner Ola. We were business partners. We had a, a book publishing company titled Royally Melanated, uh-huh. and under that Royal Mar- Marinated. Well, uh, ro- royally, <laughs> <laughs> ro- royally melanated. Okay. And under that whole banner, we had uh, we put out four books, and then uh-huh. we had a couple other uh, authors who were signed on with us too. Uh-huh. But uh, that was that was pretty fun. So that, that's when my first book came out. What uh, have you always been into writing? Oh yeah, mm. oh yeah, like my whole life. Mm. And I thank my mom for it because she introduced me to that love of reading. She mm. told me she read to me when she was pregnant with me, so mm. I, that's probably where it started. For all I know, but. Yeah, I mean, did you go to school for? uh, Did you study it in college or something? I didn't study in college. Mm -hmm. I I was always good in language, uh, Mm -hmm. spelling, English, and it just it was just natural for me. So what when you um you created this production company was that the your whole mindset of creating uh was that the goal all along? Well, the goal with with the production company actually was to to put on events. Yeah, and that's that's a whole other baby of mine Mm. that um. I'm definitely going to, you know, cultivate more, mm-hmm. especially once we get past, you know, some of the, the COVID protocols and some mm-hmm. of the things that are restricting us right now. But yeah, definitely, uh, World of BC Productions is something that I've been I've been cultivating the last couple of years. So how did you migrate? How did you pivot into uh, books? Well, it, it was actually the the books and the writing first. Oh, okay. And that, cause that's been my first piece of published writing was when I was ten years old. It was mm-hmm. in uh, my local newspaper in my mm-hmm. hometown, mm-hmm. and it was just write, writing about the love of reading and why you know reading and writing is important and that type of stuff. Are you from the South? Yep, yeah, Georgia. I can, I can hear that shit. Yep, <laughs> Dal- Dalton, Georgia. Like Dalton, Georgia. Yeah. And what's that place like? Oh man, think about the Bay Area. Yeah. And think about the exact opposite. It's uh Northwest like fields Georgia. everywhere. Oh yeah. And yeah, it's funny because like when I tell people out here I'm from Georgia, they automatically think I'm, you know, it's Atlanta because my brother, whatever. Mm. But 
Now I'm like, no, I'm from I'm from the part of Georgia that's not not so sexy <laughs> and not so not so glorified. And did you grow up in? It was the town like predominantly white. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's like sixty something percent white, thirty uh-huh. some percent Hispanic, and it's like we're like seven or eight percent. So how was growing up uh, in that environment too? How does it? How did it? How did it mold you into who you are now? On the good side, it molded me to be family oriented, uh, to see the good in people. Mm. Um, it, it it helped me develop a certain warmth that I have to this day. Mm. I think the bad part it gave me a little bit of PTSD when it came to racism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of like even now I have to learn learn when it's it's cool when there's certain racial situations because mm-hmm. like it it just kind of had me up on on guard because I I seen Klan rallies I seen uh you know you seen Klan rallies I saw one 2001 damn. Downtown dog, <laughs> just downtown. Yep, they was out there like like it was uh like it was first Fridays in Oakland or something. They was out there wow. just posted up. There wasn't no pushback from the community or nothing. There was there was just a lot of complaining, like mm. you know, but nobody really went out there to set it off. Do you feel like uh, black people in the South are hesitant to uh, like to create a? Uh, like an uproar against that type of shit? Because, you know, like, let's say in Oakland, there would never be a Klan rally in Oakland. Right. Because we would never go for that shit. Right. We would never let it happen. But I feel in the South, like you said, that Klan rally was just downtown, and they were just, they just, it was so easy for them to do, and there was no pushback or anything. Do you think um, black people in the South are just either used, or either too used to it, or are scared to speak up or just like still living in those days where like the master days, <laughs> that's my master. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, I say that the church culture mm-hmm. and especially I think it's more so of a small town thing too. Cause if you go like to Atlanta, Charlotte, Houston, they, yeah. they're there, they're, you know, there's some, some racism there, but mm-hmm. I don't even think they'll do that in those places. It's more like them little off the cuff type yeah. of cities in the cut mm-hmm. and that that's where they pull that off at and the black people there are small in number uh they go to church you know mm-hmm. they've been taught to just kind of you know kind of go along to get along yeah and i think that's where they can they can get away with that at are you a uh religious person i grew up in a church mm. yeah believe in god pray you, you go to church now i ain't been to church in years <laughs> <laughs> i ain't been to church in like probably almost 10 years now do you think the church is uh is a negative thing to the black community early on it wasn't it was a place where a lot of us could organize and and rally and Mm -hmm. but i think it became a negative thing because it became real high high hierarchical Mm -hmm. it became like this thing about rank and positions and all that kind of stuff yeah i don't like the uh I think it's a negative thing in the black community because I mean you see all these passions, especially when all this shit is going on in the in the news, like people getting shot. Right. And then you have all these pastors randomly popping out of nowhere, saying, <laughs> "Oh, let's pray in the community." No, no. praying is not going to do anything anymore. Like no. we're we're done with that. Yeah, we 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 prayed up for the next five hundred years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forget the last four four or five hundred years. Like we always talk about, we prayed up beyond that. So yeah, we we, we good on that. Do you have uh, siblings? I do. I have a younger sister, two years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it was me and her. That was my. I always say that was my first friend. My parents was my first role models. Yeah, 
Your parents are, uh, you grew up with both of them in the family? Yep. They're still together? Not, they, they broke up, they divorced in two, 2005. And, uh, but they, they still real good friends to this day. You know the reason for it? It, my dad, my dad was, he's a player, kind of a player, roller stone, <laughs> a lot to handle. And it, yeah. it, it became amicable after a while. Mm. But what's funny now, they're better friends now than they were when they were married. Did they ever remarry? They never did. No. They both they both kind of dated or whatever, but never remarried. Are they still in uh, Georgia? Yeah. My dad's in the Atlanta area. Okay. My mom's in my hometown. What does your mom do? She works in the, uh, for the hospital. She, she's in uh, the administrative side of the hospital. Mm. So she's real close to retiring probably in the next year or two. What does your dad do? He retired from sales. He, he was in sales for 40 years. Okay. Uh, car salesman. Most of that time, car mm. salesman. He was in insurance for a number of those years. And then he also did uh, advertising. He worked for the newspaper in my hometown. So did you go to high school uh, in Georgia? I did. Yep. What high school did you go to? Southeast Whitfield. And uh, ironically, the, the, the mascot was the Raiders. The Raiders? Yep. <laughs> How ironic. Okay. Were you guys, did you guys suck in football like the Raiders do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Did you play any sports there? I, I'm a I'm a diehard basketball head. Oh, okay. I wasn't good enough in high school. I sucked. Mm-hmm. And I, I was one of the late bloomers. Like, I got after high school, in my mm-hmm. 20s and 30s, that's when I, my game started to pick up. Like, mm-hmm. to this day, I'm still a hoop head. Okay. It's my cardio. So, after high school, where did, where did you go? After high school, I went to college. Dalton State College. Mm. Uh, so you stayed in Georgia, like basically your whole life. Yep. Was that because you were scared to uh, to leave? The part of it, probably so. That okay. little small town thing, thinking that uh-huh. every, there's monsters everywhere outside of my hometown. So Dalton is that like a like a four year university or like a junior college? Yeah, it became one. Yeah, they, they early on they were a junior college. I think in the last fifteen. So years. when you were there, it was a junior college. Yep. Well, okay. they were transitioning. They, they became a four year by the mm. time I got there. Okay. Like late 90s, something like that. How was college life for you? Man, it was a commuter college. Yeah. Uh, going to school, going home, going to work, and mm-hmm. that was it. Was it, uh, I mean, you said your town was very racist. Was the college very racist? Not really, because that's where you saw more, more diversity. You saw more black kids, because there was a lot of black kids who weren't even from my hometown. that we A lot we of out-of-towners and shit? Yeah. Okay. So that was dope. And our, our college was right by the interstate, so mm. there was a lot of transplants that went to school there. Mm. And what did you study in college? Management. Management? Yep. So when you left college, did you move to California after that? Or? Uh, some, about a decade later. So I, I, I was in Georgia from pretty much until t- 2014. Okay. Yeah, so I spent the working. Just working. Okay. I, I was in the medical field. I worked at... Um, at the hospital in my hometown for over eight years. Mm. And uh, I also worked at the, the library. I had two jobs for several years. Mm. So I was, I was just really just busting my ass and staying out of trouble. So when did you, when you left Georgia, when what year was that? 2014. 2014? Yep. And where did you go? San Jose. San Jose. What was the reason for that? Love. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> See, normally, That's a story in itself. Yeah, I mean, normally, you usually hear women yeah. say that, "Oh, I left my city to follow this guy I fell in love with." Yeah. So you left, you left Georgia for a woman. I did. She was already in San Jose. She was already here. But and she, but she from Georgia? Nope. 
she's from San Jose. We, we actually met on Instagram. Oh, so, you met on Instagram. So okay. we were chopping it up for a number of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we got each other's number right after that, but phone, uh, Skype, yeah. all that. Months went on. We like, you know what? You know, we both we really feel each other. You know, somebody got to make a move. I don't want so to. So you, you so did you did you guys meet ever before oh, then? No, we didn't. So this is like some ninety day fiance shit. Ninety day fiance shit. So <laughs> crazy. So you met on Instagram. You were chopping it up for how long? For a few months? About what, like three, four months. About three or four months. Never met in person before. Never met in person. And then you were like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna move to San Jose." Yep. And she was with it. She was with it. Did you move in with her? Early on, like first couple months. Then when we, you first got here, you were living with her. Early on, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I was a, a homosexual early on. What they call it? <laughs> <laughs> homeless uh, sexual. Yeah. Early on. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, when you first saw her, did she look like the pictures? Yep. So there wasn't no catfish, none. No catfish. Okay. Yeah, that, and that's that was the whole thing for the Skype. Like we were all, you know. Oh yeah, you said you skyped and shit. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause back then, you know, she didn't have an iPhone. I had one, mm-hmm. and uh, Zoom really wasn't taken out. wasn't really popular at that time. So mm-hmm. we was on Skype real heavy still. Damn, that's a that's a big move. Yeah. So you was in love with her before you even got here. Yeah. Was yeah. did she? I mean, she felt the same way. Same way, and it, it got even it got even stronger once I got here. So mm. did you uh, when you first got here and started living with her? Did you? Start seeing things that uh you made you second guess yourself. No, uh, it, it it was it was way down the line. Mm-hmm. Like later on, like we we were together for damn near three years before we actually broke up and, and mm-hmm. went on separate ways. And even at that point, it was it was mutual and all that. And to this day, me and her are good friends. Like, why'd you guys decide to end things? I, I think I think what ruined it mm-hmm. was the fact that we got engaged. Mm-hmm. Like after like. Probably about three, four months after I moved here mm-hmm. to the Bay, we ended up getting engaged. After three months? Yeah. Yeah. And you think that was a bad thing? I think so. Why? Be- because with the engagement, there's a whole lot of other things. It, it, it's like you open the gate, the Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. Once you say you're ready to get engaged, that's when it's time to start talking to wedding. And it was just a lot. And mm. mind you, I just moved here, and this is already like a, a a culture shock anyway. Yeah. So I'm trying to process all that, and you know, I'm, I'm getting adjusted to my job and my new relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think had we just stayed a boyfriend and girlfriend mm-hmm. longer, I think we would have been a lot better. So why did you feel? Did you feel the need that you had to propose to her? No, it, it was something I felt. It felt good at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel no pressure, mm-hmm. but I, I wanted to, and I thought that that was you know who who it was going to be. But uh, I think looking back, that's what really that's what really messed it up. We moved too fast. When a man gay, uh, proposes to a woman and she says yes, and then later on down down the line they break up, do you think the woman should give that ring back? She she gave it back. She gave it back. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't ask, she gave it back. But do you think women should give it back? Because a lot of women keep the shit and say, "Oh no, it's, it was a gift and all that." Hmm. I would say I think they should. Yeah, I think they should. Okay. Yeah. And why is that? Because I think that was a token of him initiating the whole engagement. And now, if they're married and they and they you know have assets and stuff after they get married, that's that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Especially after she gives them kids and all. That's that's a whole different conversation. But the engagement, yeah, 
Okay. I say so. Yeah. And uh, you've never been married before, right? Nope. No? And to this day, still not married. Okay. Uh, to this day, are you single? Just got my first relationship since her. Just got out of it? No, my, my first my oh, first you just new started a new relationship. Yeah. Okay. Um, started that <clears throat> about four months ago. Mm. And I prior to that, I was single for five and a half years. Mm. From 2016 till now. Do you like the single life better than the relationship life? I mean, it, it's got its perks. It's mm. got its perks. But um, I was I, w- I was cool. I, I was ready at that point. I got my mind right. Mm. You know, all the all that type of stuff. They say work on yourself. I did all that. Yeah. So I was ready by that time. The, was it a culture shock when you came to California or did you visit California beforehand? Oh, I, I came cold turkey. Okay. Yeah, it was culture shock. Yeah. My my first week here, we went to SF and I was at a red light. Mm-hmm. And all I seen was like all these naked white people on a bicycle, like just flying past me. Oh, yeah. The naked, my, the naked bike ride. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, mind you, I'm like, you know, I'm coming from the Bible Belt <laughs> <laughs> where, the, you know, you have all the quote unquote decency and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But to see that, yeah. Then I remember um, going to uh, what's the mall in the city? Oh man, China. the uh, I mean, they're all called Westfield. Westfield, yeah. You talking about the one downtown? Yep. Okay. Yep. Close mm-hmm. to market. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were. Uh, I seen these, I seen these brothers out there like like burning tree. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and a cop was like maybe ten feet away. Yeah. He saw. I, he. I know he saw him because he crossed their path. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just waiting for something to go down. Nothing happened. Like that. Those are like my two biggest things. Man, niggas are smoking crack. Fuck weed. Do you, yeah. Do you, ever, do you ever see that? I seen that over over in the, in the TL. I seen. It. They'll they, be they right. They'll me, be right on the street with the pipe smoking crack. They even gave him a little space now to do it. Exactly. The, uh, what they call the injection. So they damn sure didn't give a fuck about no weed <laughs> on the street if they smoking crack. Yeah. yeah I remember uh, Chappelle said it best. He said, "Ain't nothing tender about the tenderloin." <laughs> <laughs> For all the outsiders. Did you like it though? Did you like it out here when you first got out here? Oh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, like just starting with just the natural landscape, like the the, mm-hmm. the hills, the trees. Yeah, you know, I had like a million pictures of palm trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, I had to delete all those because I was, I was looking like a tourist after a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the the natural beauty that Cali has in itself, and uh, then the people. People were cool. Like I know it's like people weren't really tripping off certain things that they might have tripped off all back home. So that that helped a lot too. So you never thought about moving back? I have a mm. couple times. Mm-hmm. I actually did. I briefly did for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I briefly did, but it didn't work out, so I ended up coming right back. Did you move back for another woman or No, no, we well, we were still together. Uh, uh and I I was going to go back, you know, get us get us established in mm-hmm. Georgia. I got homesick. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. I'm like, should we move to Atlanta? There's more black folks out there. Cheaper. Cheaper. Like, I was thinking about all that. And I was I was real homesick at the time. Did she want to move? She, she was down. Okay. She was down. So, I was like, let me go back. And I was working, you know, some BS type job, temp job. I said, no. Nah, mm-hmm. It's not. At the time, it wasn't stable enough for me. So, I came back. Mm-hmm. Even got my old job back. And everything was, was kosher once I got back to the Bay. Okay. And we were together for like another year or so after. And then that's when... uh. That's when we, you know, end up breaking up. But mm. yeah. did you start your uh did you start your company while you were with her or this was after? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like at the tail end of our relationship, mm. we started. And that's another thing too. I was getting real distracted with, you know, building up the uh, the publishing company and mm. 
yeah, I was just kind of obsessed over writing books and all that stuff. So what made you start a publishing company? It it was simple, man. Like at that time, as you probably remember, like 2014, 15, mm-hmm. 16, that's when everybody was just starting to kind of wake up. Yeah. You know, you had the Black Panthers was coming out. Um, the Nat Turner movie, we came out. Mm-hmm. And we were really, really starting to represent ourselves in media, movies, uh, yeah. books, everything. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was on that wave too. The bug. So you, you, so you saw, you saw the need, uh, for black, uh, well, you noticed that there was a big need for like black voices. Oh, yeah. In media. Okay. Oh, yeah. And still do. I, I'm, mm. I love to see it whenever I see one of us do something, but mm. yeah, like at that time, I'm like, man, like I love to write. This yeah. would be my first chance to get some books out. Mm-hmm. And then we just killed two birds with one stone. Was it hard starting it? Uh, early on, we were kind of feeling our way through. But once we hit our stride, everything just kind of fell in place. Mm. Who came up with the name? It, it was kind of, we kind of threw some ideas around. Like I wanted to have, I wanted to have like a, a black centered name. Mm-hmm. Something that, that, that spoke positively of, of who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were kind of throwing some names around that they kind of spoke about, you know, being regal, yeah, royalty, and uh, I'm like royally melanated. So we agreed on that, and here we are. And it's still it's still going on. It's still going. Yeah, I just I decided to take a lesser role with the company mm-hmm. and kind of focus on my own endeavors mm-hmm. about probably about two years ago. Okay, but um, yeah, me me and me and my partner Ola, we still going strong. He a good dude. Shout out to Ola Akimaluyo. Okay, he, he back in uh, North Carolina, but that, that's my guy, man. We we uh we we got the thing rolling, so we, we're gonna come out with some more work here in the, in the future too. So you guys put on events and publish books, and what else does the company do? Um, well, we what we did is it, strictly books, mm-hmm. but uh, early on we did we did our first and only event. And we bought out a, a public speaker to the Bay Area, to the Black Repertory Theater in 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, uh, some people may be familiar with the, the Hidden Color series. Documentary I, know, I, series. Never, I never heard of it. Yeah. But yeah, we, we bought out the, uh, the, the creator of that, that series okay. to, to speak to the, the Bay Area crowd. So that so, was cool. So how many books have, uh, can you name all your books? Yep. Can I Touch Your Hair? No time for excuses. Um, position of power, and a birthday surprise for George Washington. Which one of these books are you most proud of? Position of power, because that was actually a novel, like mm-hmm. a novel for young adults. It was crazy. That book came out in early 2016, and it was about a, like a, a young black football player mm-hmm. who really wanted to use his voice and his resources to to create change. And that book came out in April, and the whole Kaepernick thing jumped off around like September, August, something like that. Mm. So it was just like it was crazy. Had we had marketed it the right way, we we could have really hit that wave too. Yeah. So, what which one of your books uh, took the longest to write? Uh, definitely that that but, one. Yeah, because it was it's a chapter book. So yeah. Where can people find these books? On Amazon. Amazon. Yep. Royally melanated. Okay. All, all you gotta do is type that up, and and all, all those titles should pop up. So all of your books have like a like a certain theme, basically about like black people and shit. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Black folks. Uh, 
And then No Time for Excuses, it, it's all black characters, but the main mm-hmm. character was a dog named Excuses. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like an allegorical thing, like teaching kids. Just, just kind of teaching kids about not making like a million excuses for, for things like, mm. you know, accountability. Mm. And, um, so it's, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, like a lot of hidden meanings to it. The, the doll's name was excuses mm-hmm. and his owner was a little boy, a little black boy. And uh, over time, as a, as a boy got older, he didn't have time for excuses. So mm-hmm. it was like, he kind of, he let him go and, you know, he gave him away because he didn't have time for excuses. So it was kind of like a double meaning, mm. but. In, in the meantime, we wanted to show kids, hey, you don't have time for excuses. Cause especially as you get older and, and go through life, you know, excuses is something that you won't be able to get by with. So let's talk about, uh, I, I believe it's, uh, I think it's your new book. Yep. Um, uh, the clapping in mama's room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, explain to the people, where did you come up with this, with this storyline? And what, what, what is it about? Man, it's my own, my own wild ass humor. I I have like a a crazy ass sense of humor, man. Like, and on top of that, I wanted to rock the boat too, because prior to that, everything that we had done was real, you know, cuddly and Mm -hmm. safe. And, and as you see, like you look at the marketplace now, a lot of books that are written for our kids are are like that. Yeah. And understandably so in a lot of ways It's, it's for kids. Right. But, I wanted to kind of push the envelope to the point where it's not vulgar, mm. but at the same time, it's very uh, suggestive and very edgy. So the kids will, will get some sort of lessons from it, but the adults will be like, damn, it'll resonate with the, with the adults too. So it's a, it's a book meant for kids, but adults can enjoy it as well. Yep. Okay. And, and of course, it's illustrated and laid out for kids. Mm. But, you know, I, I do put a disclaimer out that it's got some mature content just in case. Mm-hmm. Some hall monitors come after me or something. And what's it, what's it what's it about? Uh, so basically, I hear clapping in mommy's room is the second book in my Baekwon series, and I'll I'll get the Baekwon in a second. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I hear clapping in mommy's room is about a little boy who has been subjected to uh, traumatic experiences in his household. Nothing happens to him directly, but it's just like the choices that his mom makes affects him indirectly mm. and could very well affect how he moves as an adult. As he gets older, he's like, well, I see mommy. Or I heard mommy clapping in her room. So mm-hmm. I guess this, this is how it always happens. Right. And it, you know, that, that could open up the door to all types of other types of behaviors and you know, whatever. Not, so, man. so when you're, when you're saying clapping, just make this clear to all the people who don't know what the fuck clapping is. You talking about, his mom is in there fucking. Hell yeah. Okay. Getting her cheeks beat. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where the clapping came from. Yep. Is the mother a escort or she's just a normal woman? Just a normal woman. Okay. Love that, love that and the kid fun. is just hearing it and is yep. traumatized by it. Yeah. And there's there's like a different dude that he sees every day of the week. Mm. Sometimes two dudes. Okay. So it's like in and out of room. So. And uh, how did you come up with that idea? Do you, I mean, is that from personal experience? Like, you know, a woman like that, or I personally, I don't know any woman like that. Mm. And my, my definitely my mom is the total opposite of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I wanted to make it really over the top and real, just like outlandish. Yeah, to where because I mean, there are there are some women like that. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I mean, I know. 
I know and, some. And, 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 and this ain't no single mom bashing thing and nothing like that. Because there's, yeah. there's some some dope-ass single mothers, so it ain't like that. Yeah. But it's just more so about behaviors. Because you could be a, a married mother and mm-hmm. still be reckless mm-hmm. or a married father. So, I, you know, I, I get on the fellas, too, with this whole series. So it ain't nothing about that. Is the book told in the kid's point of view or, or the woman's point of view? The mother's? Uh, the kid's point the of view. The kid's, okay. Yep. And it, it's kind of got a nursery rhyme feel to it. The script mm-hmm. is... They rhyme and everything, so mm. kind of like a Dr. Seuss type thing. Okay. Yeah. And the Baekwon series, uh, you want to explain that? Baekwon is a dusty-ass nigga who, <laughs> he, he is so dusty that I don't know any man walking this planet that can match his level of dust. Uh-huh. But I did that for cartoon purposes. Like, mm. I'm inspired by the South Parks, the Beavis and Buttheads, the Family yeah. Guy, just to make him just a, a crazy character like no ambition, full of excuses, mm. um, just a, a lifelong failure. Like he's pushing 40 mm. and everybody was out to get him. All of his baby mothers, they trapped him. He has aspirations to still be a rapper. Nothing wrong with wanting to be a rapper, but it's just the approach. Like he's never even had a full time job. So he's that type of dude. He just, you know, he just. It's always going to be. And like you wrote that. a series about him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, the, the first book is Baekwon the Bum. Mm-hmm. And then part two is I Hear Clapping in Mommy's Room. And I have two more books coming down the pipe. So mm-hmm. that 2022, first quarter, those, those will be dropping. So Clapping in Mommy's Room and Baekwon the Bum, how do they uh, link to each other? Baekwon, to give a spoiler, Baekwon is one of the last. Baekwon is the last dude of the week to show up in Mommy's house. <laughs> Baekwon is so dusty that mama's like, nah, I'm scared straight. Uh-huh. This, I, not even I can handle nothing like that. This uh-huh. nigga's dusty. I, I can't do this. So I need to get right with the Lord. Cause I've been, I've been, he was so dusty. He showed her the error of her ways without even mm. trying to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up at her house and like, nah, I can't, I can't even do this. And you're working on the, the third part of the series? Yep. And what's that going to be called? Baekwon's Great Escape. Baekwon's Great Escape. Ba- because of Baekwon's life, you know, his life is a mess. He has to figure out a way to escape. So mm. uh, he uses uh, chemical assistance to uh, <laughs> to <laughs> escape. <laughs> have you ever have you ever uh, shopped these books to like I don't know TV companies? Not yet. No, not yet. You they- plan on it? Oh yeah, yeah. They're still they're still fresh off the presses, so mm. yeah, that's that's definitely the plan. Okay, twenty twenty two. Okay, for sure. What is your who was your favorite uh, when you were growing up? Who are like some of your uh, muses? Oh man, um, when it comes to children's books, definitely uh, there's a guy named Ezra Jack Keats K E A T S, and he was the first dude I saw. I don't know. I don't think he was a black dude, but he he was an author and illustrator. Mm-hmm. But he was the first person I remember illustrating black kids. And there was a book called Goggles. There was a book called High Cat. He had a whole bunch of books, mm. and they were they were centered around these two characters named Peter and Archie. And it it came out like in the early seventies mm-hmm. in New York. So there was like black and uh, Hispanic kids and everything. It was kids of color. Yeah. So they all had big old afros and dashikis and. It it was cool. I was like four or five years old, and it just it just hit me right in the face. Like man, like these kids got afros in this book, so it was cool to see that. 
Mm-hmm. Another one definitely was uh, the author of the Berenstein Bear series because they always had, you know, crazy, uh, funny little uh, titles and everything. And there, there was, was always black? Like, like, no, they weren't. Oh, were, uh. They were a married couple, I think. Mm. Uh, Jan Berenstein, and I forgot her husband's name, but they had like a whole bunch of different books. Okay. And uh, one, of my, one of my muses as far as illustrators is this guy named Kadir Nelson, black dude. Mm-hmm. And you've definitely seen his work. He illustrates for, I think, I want to say the New Yorker, mm-hmm. the New York Times, one of those uh, like New York publications. He, and, does, he does like what, comic type shit? Uh, he just does like, like the, one, the one pager type thing. Oh, okay. But if you're familiar with the Drake album, Nothing Was the Same, mm-hmm. where he has the clouds in the background, mm-hmm. he did that. Uh, he did one of Michael Jackson's uh, greatest hits, like, albums uh, he's done a lot of stuff he's done like a lot of political cartoons mm-hmm. uh, one of his other famous works is that one where it's a black man and he's holding a bat and he's got like these little black boys around him mm-hmm. and he's got a suit on basically showing like he's like their mentor and he's gonna show them how to play baseball mm-hmm. so he, he's got some real dope work yeah, okay uh, and one last one that I can think of right away is a guy named Ernie Barnes and did you ever watch Good Times I mean, I didn't watch it like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could basically, I mean, I watched a couple of episodes, but it wasn't like a show that I like religiously watched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was probably before both our times, but mm-hmm. like, er, like I remember at the end of the show, there was always this painting they would always show mm-hmm. and everybody was in this club just getting lit, like turned up. Oh yeah. You talking about the painting that that's like, uh, like every black family has in their yep. house. It's like, yeah, everyone in the background is dancing and shit. <laughs> yeah. I know what painting Yeah. Because my fucking, my mom has that same fucking painting. <laughs> yep. So he's the person who painted that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he done like a lot of other dope stuff too. A yeah, lot that's, of, that's a famous painting. Yeah, and I think Marvin Gaye used it for one of his albums too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. what was his name again? Ernie Barnes. Ernie Barnes. And I'll give you his info in case you want to check out some more okay. stuff. Nice. And like all of his characters always have like long arms and mm-hmm. their eyes are always closed. And I think he said something about the eyes of the window to the soul. So he mm-hmm. made all of his people with their eyes closed. So you were all you were always into like animation and like cartoonists and shit like that. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah. you uh, so when you started to write, did you already did you already know that that's the lane you were going to be going into? Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to start off in the lane with um, the children's books. I know for starters, it's easier to kind of get get rolling because it's not as long mm-hmm. and also you can you can kind of frame narratives and and you know mm-hmm. have an impact on the youth mm-hmm. and then i also want to do things for for adults for grown people too because you can really put yourself into it as a, as a grown man and you can give them that that mature content that they want what's the process of uh publishing a book uh the process uh definitely starts with um you know of course the manuscript you know just writing out the manuscript getting it edited getting it, uh your books properly formatted um mm-hmm. and with with the publishing there's there's more one more than one way to get it done you can go through a, a publisher you can go through uh you can go through it independently and what i like to always say is the best way for me to put it in in in, in a picture for somebody i compare the book game to the music game cuz like I mean, the same thing if you're an artist and you have uh, music, if you have mixtapes or, or whatever albums, you could either do it independently and have it pressed up. And, uh, you know, it's going to cost you a whole lot more on the front end. But 
the back end, the, the rewards are a lot better. Mm. Or you can go, you can sign with a major and they can do all the legwork for you. And, you know, we hear about the 360 deals and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But yeah, the, the publishing game is real similar. Well, signing with a, uh, to get your shit published by someone else, um, do you have to shop around to do that, or I mean, or is it easy? Or is it easy as you just going up to be like, "Yo, I got this manuscript. I need to publish," and then they'll just random, they'll just publish it. it, it or do they have to? Do they have to like choose choose you? Like, yeah, they have to choose you, and, and also you have to kind of shop it around too. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think the best way to help you get a leg up with that is to hire a literary agent, like somebody who can actually, you know. Getting those, getting those rooms with you to negotiate deals and, and mm-hmm. get signed on with with a major publisher. Mm-hmm. Do you publish all your books independently? Yes, so far I have. Okay, but I'm I'm not opposed to signing with a major. Uh-huh. Not opposed if the terms are cool. I'll, I'll go with it. What is like the like a ballpark uh, cost of publishing a book mm-hmm. independently? Independently, Amazon has made it super cheap. Um, they take. Amazon takes around 30%. I think you have like a 30, a 70, 65%, 70% commission mm. off of every book. So they take their cut and there's no cost up front through Amazon. So um, you have a manuscript. You can just go to Amazon and be like, yo, I need this published and they write yeah. it all up. Well, you, you have to have everything together first. Your manuscript, you have mm. to have it, you know, edited, formatted, your covers and all that kind of stuff. Or, or they can design one for you. Oh, damn. Um, I don't know but that. if you do it independently, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of a, a tedious process. The Amazon way, is it just uh, the digital form or do they like do physical books? They do physical books too. So they'll do physical books for you. Yep. Yeah. The only downside from what I found is that you don't really have access to that database. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's important. If, if you, if you have any type of offerings online, business services. So it's basically like owning your masters. You don't own your masters. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Well, and, with the physical books, you still do, mm-hmm. but with the digital, like the the Kindle books, you don't. Yeah. Uh, you you can eventually like wiggle your way out of it, mm-hmm. but it's yeah they they own that. So it was like a couple hundred to go to Amazon route, or is it cheaper than that? It's it's way cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost free, pretty much. It, yeah. The the real legwork comes like prior to Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, getting all your your book and everything ready and formatted. Mm-hmm. And you said a uh, hire a liter. Uh, what did you say? A literature. Uh, li- a literary agent. And like, so they're basically they just go around and shop your. Okay. Yep. And also they they can help you with uh with press too mm-hmm. to promote your book and even uh pl- sometimes even placement you know mm-hmm. to help you uh you know get a Barnes and Noble thing or whatever. Or, yeah. So they they do a lot of work. They're basically a publicist mm-hmm. pretty much. How do you feel about when people uh they come out with all these books, right? And they say, "Oh, I, I just I just wrote a book," but they're basically just sitting there talking, and then someone else is writing the book for them. How Man. do you feel about that for someone who like actually writes the book? What? How, how do you feel? It's crazy. Uh, when I was you know early on, the writer in me, I kind of cringed at that. Mm. But then now that I understand the power of of influencers and and celebrity and 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 things like that i get it and i get that people that are in a certain position may or may not have the time to sit down and actually write a book Mm -hmm. so they have somebody write it for them and also if you really really want to get into semantics the the very meaning of the word author is just you're just authorizing your written work to be out Mm -hmm. so they're, they're basically the authority on 
what's being put in that book. So essentially, yeah. they are an author. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I mean, I, I ain't mad at they hustle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. Yeah. Because I think I think it's some bullshit. Like when someone says, "Oh, I have, I'm a New York Times bestselling author." Yeah. But they didn't write the book. They just they sat down with with somebody. Yeah. Gave him like, oh, my life story, boom, boom, boom. Gave him like three things, and yeah. then they, the person who's writing the shit, takes those three things and come up with a whole fucking book. Right. So yeah, yeah, that that I can see that. I can see that. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, now now one one person I'm I'm really really rooting for is a ghostwriter. That's mm-hmm. what I, I really want to get into that ghostwriting space. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who. So you like want to be the person who's writing the book? Yeah, and the person talk talking to you. Yeah, okay. that'd be dope. Is that good money or not? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you have to go through all types of NDAs, and mm-hmm. they're going to pretty much pay you to stay quiet. So mm-hmm. it's just like music, especially rap. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, and R&B and all them other genres, it's not so much, but in rap, we've heard rumors about ghostwriters. Do you uh, do you get a, let's say you go to ghostwriting route uh, mm-hmm. as far as books are concerned, um, do you get... Do you get like a percentage if we're like, because you know, music wise, you know how when a producer makes a beat for somebody, or not even a producer, like a fucking um, a person who co-writes the song, every sale of like the song, they get like a uh, they get like a check every every time that song is played or some shit like that. Is that how it is in the the book world? It, it, well, and that with ghostwriting is it's just they they pay you off top. Mm. It's like one one flat rate. Okay, and that's it. Especially since your name ain't in the credits or anything like that. So mm-hmm. you, there's no way to really, unless they pay you, give you some sort of backdoor deal mm-hmm. as a residual. But most authors ain't going to do that. Yeah. I would imagine they wouldn't. Okay. Have you ever had a time where you were working on a book or any type of writing you were doing and you had a writer's book? Yeah. Yeah. And how did you come uh Get over it. It's it's funny. I, I read a book by Russell Simmons a long time ago <laughs> called Do You. And Russell- You, can, you can feel free to take a, uh, take a shot whenever, oh, yeah. whenever you want to. Yeah. So <laughs> w- one thing, Russ, I, I remember taking away from that book, Russell was talking about how if you ever have an idea, <sighs> you could be out in traffic. You could be anywhere. Mm. Wherever you are, if something hits you right away, you got you to gotta write it down. Mm. You got to write the vision down. And you have to uh, write it down right away or you may lose that idea or that inspiration. Mm. And I took that. Like, there could be some times where I'm writing a whole manuscript and I get writer's block, but there may be a certain little blurb or a paragraph that may come to me right away. Mm. And because, you know, nowadays we have the technology, we have notepads in our phones. I'll just jot some things down real quick. Mm. And whatever ideas are there, later on I can piece them together once, once I'm out of that funk. Mm-hmm. And I, I compare writer's block, you know, it, like they say in basketball, if you go through a shooting slump, you got to shoot your way out. There's no other way to really get out of it. Yeah. Keep shooting. Same thing with writing. Whether it can be two or three sentences and later on you'll be out of it. Is it easy to, when you're writing, is it easy to, uh, I, I can't think of the word, but you know how when you, uh, when you're writing something, and then someone else copies your writing. What's that? What's that called? Uh, biting. No, uh, I mean there's another word for it. Not biting, but um, damn. Uh, uh, infr- not infringement. You know how when uh, 
You know how when fucking uh, Michelle Obama came up with that speech, then Melania Trump said basically the same speech, and they yeah. said that she uh, copied her speech. I know you're talking well, about But there was a word for it. Yeah. I can't fucking think of it. Uh, but anyway, uh, is that easy to do? I would un- say so. un- Unnoticeably. Like, can you write something and then fuck around and be like, oh, shit, someone else wrote the same shit, so now they're saying that I copied his writing. Does it- that happen often? It happened. It hadn't happened to me, but it does mm. happen often. I, w- I would think that's a real big thing in comedy, too. Mm. By the way, like these comedians always come out and say, "Hey, man, he, he stole my joke." Yeah. So it's any any form of like the creative world is mm. a big thing. Mm. And I'm trying to think of that that word too. Yeah, uh, I'm still trying to think of that shit too. I want to say infr- it's not infringement or, or I don't think it's infringement. You know, they always say biting a lot of time, man. Well, that's a street. That's a street slang. I'm talking about the actual fucking. Word for it. Copycat. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old the little kid word for it. Man, what the fuck is that word? Yeah. But that, people do it. Um, and a lot of presidents do it. I mean, there, I saw a compilation of, uh, you know, speeches that presidents gave. Mm-hmm. And from Kennedy all the way up until, you know, Biden. You know, mm-hmm. different presidents have kind of bit off each other. And yeah. Use the same type of speeches. Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm saying is. Those people are doing it. Uh, they know they're doing it. Right. What I'm asking is, is it common that people do it unexpectedly? Like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. That this shit sounds so similar to what you were saying. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. I could definitely see that because, I mean, af- even though we're all individuals after a while, I would like to think that our, our thoughts or our, the way we express ourselves may be eerily similar. So- I can definitely see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. How do you feel? How do you feel about you? I mean, are you familiar with, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with all that whole Dave Chappelle shit that was going on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about that? Yeah. You know, comedy, I feel like that's the last place where you can be politically incorrect, so to speak. Mm. I think I think comedy should be a space where you can say anything about anybody. And- the fact that so many people, I, I guess, are kind of nitpicking on what people say. I mean, come on, man. Like, it's just jokes. So you don't think he did anything wrong? No. Okay. No, he, he wouldn't say anything about harming them or destroying mm-hmm. them or anything like that. It's just the jokes. I mean, I remember him making jokes about uh, us, you know, how we love fried chicken. He'd done that multiple times. <laughs> and like, like he said, like, you know, the execs, they allowed him to say nigga all day. But mm-hmm. if he say other words, then, then it's a problem. But Do you think woke uh, culture only happens to – because to me, it feels like uh, this shit only – like the cancel culture only happens to black entertainers. Yes. and it, Do you per- feel the same? Yes. Particularly black men. Like mm-hmm. black men, I think we get – canceled at a high rate more than anybody mm-hmm. like especially if you if you're a black man you're unapologetically black mm-hmm. and you you don't miss your words and you know you're proud of who you are yeah we like the biggest targets because other people say stuff and they, they get away with murder well not even say stuff like they do worse shit like yeah. woody allen you know who woody allen is? oh yeah <laughs> this nigga molested his stepdaughter his stepdaughter and married his other stepdaughter yeah 
what's uh what's the other and he's the, and he when you walk around new york he's he's considered a god in in manhattan yeah to this day he'd be he'd be at the Knicks game like ain't nothing going on yeah and then, how come how come cancel culture hasn't canceled him yeah and, uh that's like the other filmmaker he uh he skipped the country years ago mm. uh was Scor- is it scorsese scorsese what, what happened to him what'd he do i, I want to say the wrong name but one of them dudes was he was doing the same type of stuff. Well, Martin Scorsese is still making movies right now. Okay, the, the nigga just did. I think he just did. He he. I think he did Wolf of Wall Street. I believe. Wow, that was a dope. I movie think that too. was. <laughs> who, who, whoever went to Europe, like yeah, somebody went to Europe, like way back in the day, because uh-huh. he was doing like some creepy shit, and yeah, um, they haven't said nothing to him. They haven't tried yeah, to extradite like him or nothing. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, I mean Weinstein. the nigga's in prison now, but I mean motherfuckers knew that he was doing that shit way before. Yeah, he went to prison. Yeah, he wasn't canceled. Yeah, who else? Fucking uh, uh, the dude from uh, Seinfeld, Kramer. Kramer saying nigger and shit. Yeah, uh, look at uh, that nigga wasn't canceled. Well, Ben uh, Ben Ben Roethlisberger for the pitch, Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, Steelers. raped the bitch. They they said he did it like three times. Yeah. He ain't canceled. He's still playing. And they gonna let him just rot on the he field. Probably, they gonna he put him in the man. Hall of Fame. Yeah, he an old man in football years. He How just, come y'all ain't cancel him? Yeah, yeah. But you want to cancel Dave Chappelle because he was basically what he was saying. And a lot of motherfuckers didn't even watch the full show. Right. They're just saying, oh, they're, re- they're reading another text on social media. And they're like, oh, yeah, but not even doing research. But what, but what Dave Chappelle said was... That he doesn't think is right that the LGBT community doesn't stand up to fucking um like where were they at when black people were getting shot and killed? Yeah. How come they don't make statements? Yeah. How come they don't make statements when all this other shit is going on? But as soon as someone says call someone a fag or some shit like that, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Like the baby, when uh the baby, you know about the the baby story. Oh yeah, when he was on stage. When he was on AIDS stage talking about yo, if you're glad that you don't have AIDS, you know what I'm saying? Clap. Yeah. I mean, that, nigga, I would have clapped too. Nigga, yeah. I'm glad I don't have AIDS. Yeah, me too. Shit. I mean, because there's heterosexual people who got AIDS, so like yeah, exactly. They they just, I mean, some of them just kind of jumped to conclusions, like yeah. So. And you don't even know if that nigga was going through a mental problem. Uh, mental problem. See, all these people are hypocrites. They talk about, oh, we value mental health and all that shit. How come you didn't stop and, and think that, okay, maybe he, because it's out of his character to say that shit on stage. He never did it before. Right. So that's, it's out of his character. It's something that uh, he's never done. So basically, you you should say, okay, well, this is not his behavior when he performs. So maybe he's going through like a mental situation. We don't know his life. Right. And all these people who keep on saying that, oh, we believe in mental health, mental health this, mental health that. That's the new thing now. Right. Everyone has mental problems, mental health. How come you didn't I, say, oh, maybe this nigga has a mental health problem, so we support, we give him a pass, like we want to dig deep into what the fuck he's, why did he really say that? I'm going to say this too. Like, they, were just, they were just off the top. No, let's cancel this nigga. And he lost so much money. And he's a black man, right? With kids, yeah. You talking about the mental health? Like everybody don't need fucking therapy, man. Like sometimes people just be broke, <laughs> or they, <laughs> or they didn't get laid, or something like that. Like yeah, that that's that's kind of like the new crutch. Yeah, everyone not, doesn't need a fucking therapist. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not trying to take that lightly, but 
it's becoming cliche now, along with being woke. Like sometimes exactly. you got to figure shit out and power through. Exactly. Especially as a man, like you got to figure it out. Nigga, I've been broke yeah. plenty of times. Been oh sham shit. I do. I should. I only have enough to. And then I had to think of what bill to pay. Yeah. You gotta, that doesn't mean I need a therapist, nigga. Yeah, that just sure. means I mean get it together. Yeah. Yeah. And just because you're fucking sad that okay, I'm living paycheck to paycheck from this week to this week. Doesn't mean I need a therapist. Right. That just means, nigga, I don't make enough money, so I gotta cut off some. I got, oh, I gotta cancel this Netflix. Yep, I gotta cancel this so I can start living within my means. That doesn't mean you need a goddamn counselor. Yeah, but you let you let some of these uh talking heads in media say that. Hey, have you had therapy lately? You, yeah. I, I, that's like kind of a big thing on podcasts now. Like, like I bet, hey man, I, my day was cool. Like I, I can imagine if you was another host, you'd be oh, have you have you thought about having therapy? No, I just had a bad day. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. This girl, this this reminds me of something. Like this girl, right? We were uh she was texting me, right? Because she wanted help with uh launching her podcast. Yeah. And she asked me, I was like, okay, well, I have a company, so you can either sign with my company and all this shit that I do for you is free. Mm-hmm. And or you can hire my company and we can produce your podcast and you can do with it and we'll hand it to you and you can do with it whatever you want to do with it Mm -hmm. and then she got mad at the fact that i i told her that she was like oh well basically what she was it was like the like the privilege type shit she was expecting it for free like yeah yeah this is a i uh, this i have a business like this is not no free shit and then after she after that happened she texts me a random shit saying oh FYI, this is why you're single because you have bad energy. I was like, what the Damn. <laughs> Damn. And I was like, yo, I just laughed about it. I didn't even respond. But uh that 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 statement alone is like when I basically kind of like what we were talking about. How no, I about the mental health shit. Yeah. Like, no, I don't I'm single because I choose to be single. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm like Oh, you're a 40-year-old. You're not married. How come you're not married? Right. No, because she doesn't want to be married or I don't want to have kids. Right. Like people think hey, you have to like just because you don't go with what society is telling you something is wrong. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, like even with me, like I spent five and a half years single. Like I wasn't I wasn't in a rush to be in a relationship or I wasn't sad because I didn't have a girlfriend. It just organically happened. Yeah. yeah we met and here we are, but. You know, like you said, people feel like they got to subscribe to certain norms or whatever. Mm-hmm. But nah. So yeah, and that's the reason why I like uh, I wanted to interview because of the titles of your book. Like, no one would ever think to say, "Oh, I hear to write a children's book with that title." I hear clapping in mama's room. Yeah. Like people would be too afraid. People would be too afraid to say that shit. Yeah. Especially as a title of a book and say it's a children's book. Right. And so I do commend you on that, um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to to interview. I appreciate you, Jay. That means a lot, man. Uh, and that that's all I want, man, just to be able to get the word out and and uh, create awareness and and uh, mm. create create some sort of sense of infotainment. You know, mm. I I want people to have these uh, shocking reminders. I want that shock value, but at the same time, I want to entertain too. Yeah. Do you think? Um, the reason why you are so comfortable with the shock value is because you're 100 percent independent, or because it's just that's just how you are. 
Like if you were to get signed by a company and never told you like, no, I don't want you to, I don't want you to have this title. Ooh. Would you push back? Ooh. I, I will push back to see how far I can get. Uh-huh. Let's, I will see how far, how far they would be willing to uh, let, let me get away with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But if they like, from a business standpoint, mm. I, like I'm, I'm a businessman. I, I'd be willing to negotiate and, and. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm not going to be one of these uh, starving artists that are emotionally attached to something and they stay broke. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to. That's when uh, well, Dave Chappelle, he said, when keeping it real goes wrong. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Wu-Tang. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I I feel that because I feel some I feel people have to do they have to bend a little bit just to get in the door. Yeah, you know what I'm saying yeah, that's for sure. Get that in the game. door, then once you get into the door, like learn the system, and then start like pimp, learn how to, and then pimp the system. Yeah, you got to, or you get pimped. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Spook, who sat by the door, you know he he got he got gamed up and mm-hmm. through the military and. He flipped on him. Who? That that old story, the spook who sat by the door. Spooky sat by the door? Yeah, the spook who sat by the door. Oh, the spook who sat by the door. Yeah, it's, it's an old movie. It came out like in the 70s. Like, mm-hmm. But basically, he, he went to the military. I think he was in Vietnam or whatever. But he brought all that military science back to the hood mm-hmm. and was teaching them how to, you know, be strapped and do everything the right way, a certain type of way. Yeah. And they was afraid of that. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with... uh. What's that guy, Chris Dorner, a few years ago? Mm-hmm. He was a cop, and he didn't like what was going on. Oh, you're talking about the dude who shot? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some niggas think of him as a hero. Yeah, some some do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yep. Just depending on who you ask. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. So when is this uh your new your new book that you're working on? When uh do you have a an end date to when it's going to be out? February. February. Yeah. It's going to be out to buy and everything. Yep. On Amazon. Yep. Is Amazon the only place where uh, people can get your shit? For right now. For right now. We're, we're tweaking the website and having that available mm-hmm. to where people can go there as well. You don't have hard copies? Not right now. No? You're but I, on they're, it? they're available, though, to, to order, for sure. Oh, so you can order a hard copy of the book mm-hmm. through Amazon? Yep. And they just print it out and just sell it? Yep. Yeah, I need to... I need to get on that. Yep. So that that's that's who that's who my distribution is right now until I decide to uh you know create my own situation and where do you see the company or where do you want the company to be in like the next five years? In the next five years, I would like to get into uh animation, possibly film. Uh that that's a whole nother beast. I, I'm a big fan of all you know filmmakers that do what they do, but mm. I don't want to bite off more than I can chew, uh, but definitely for sure animation. Have you ever wrote a script, like a movie script? Never have. No, I'd be interested. I, I've actually, I've actually been interested in writing jokes, mm-hmm. ghost writing jokes for like one of these uh, amateur comedians, just to see how how it would work with the audience. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I may have to pull up the Tommy T's and see see if he needs some jokes. <laughs> 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 All right, so. Uh, if you were to give uh, these up and coming people, these authors, some advice on, um, I don't know, just like creating books or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, uh, give them three things 
that they should that they should know off top. Have a concept, have consistency, and have creativity. Three C's mm. in no particular order: creativity, consistency, and concept. Mm-hmm. Well, which technically could be two because concept and creativity can go hand in hand. And but, why are those three? Uh, I mean, you, why are those though your three most important? Well, with the concept, to me, that that is going to give you the uh, the foundation, like building a house. Mm-hmm. If you if you have a concept, then you can build on that, and you can tweak things as you go, change things or whatever. Uh, with the creativity, that's going to be the spark to keep everything going. You know, when you may or may not have a good day, but if you have that creative spark, you know you'll you'll be able to stay prolific throughout your writing career. And the consistency, of course, that's just perseverance, just grinding it out. Mm. burning the uh what they call the the midnight oil i think mm. the the you know staying up late uh whatever or over over a long span of time mm-hmm. so with those three c's man you can't go wrong okay all right well you guys heard it first uh everyday celebrity podcast we want to thank we want to thank you for coming on sharing your wisdom with us and to the world um everybody go on amazon and check this guy out Order his books right now. Uh, give us a title of some of, your, some of your books that they can go get again. Baekwon the Bum um, and I Hear Clapping in Mommy's Room. If you want to get more information about those books, where to get them, you can follow me on Instagram, The Real Bryson Clark. Um, you can also go to BaekwonTheBum.com, which the link is in the, the, my bio on my Instagram. So that's the best place to find it for right now. And then I'll keep everybody posted through my social media or, or more developments or whatever. Uh, the website? What's your website? BaekwonTheBum.com. Ba- <laughs> <laughs> that's the company website? Well, that that's the website for the Baekwon series. Okay. Yeah. You got a website for the company? Not right now. Not right now? Not right now. Okay. Because with the company, the Worldly Melanated Company, uh, we kind of took a hiatus for a while. Mm. And that's that's what led me down my path as a, as a solo author and everything so i'm right now kind of doing my own thing okay even though we are doing a, a soft relaunch of all of our old stuff mm. with royally melanated but the the bay quantum bum that's that's a part of my individual thing nice yeah all right well yeah man thank you for uh for coming on and everybody yeah go go get those books they're, they're good reads thank you so much and, and on a, and a, on a more pc family friendly note <laughs> i have some other titles too um there's two other titles i wrote earlier this year taught titled dad are we moving and it's basically you know uh, showing kids how to cope and in case they have to make a big move or something like that because you know the adults are the ones who make the decisions about making these big moves mm-hmm. whether it's through their career or whatever but a lot of times we forget about you know, the kids i mean clearly they usually don't have a choice but you know just it's a way of kind of checking in with the kids you know you good you know you're going to new school and all that kind of stuff so yeah. And then the other one is uh, titled, Hey, What's Crypto? And it's just an introductory book about cryptocurrency. Mm. And I'm not a financial expert, y'all, so don't. <laughs> I, I just tell so people what it is. you giving bad advice in the book? Oh, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'll be the Bernie, Bernie Madoff of uh, children's books or something yeah. like that. Okay. No, nah, but uh, it's, just, it's just introducing kids to cryptocurrency. And uh, these books are on Amazon as well? Yep. Okay. And and in that link in my bio on Instagram, you can see see my author profile and all those titles are up under under that thing. 
Last question. Do you think uh, for up and coming uh, authors, do you think they should go the independent route or the seeking the other uh, being signed? I think it depends on your situation. If you have the resources, I would say go independent. If you have the money, if you have the uh, the know-how or, or the connections, de- mm-hmm. definitely stay independent as much as you can. But if you don't really quite know where to get started, uh, definitely you want to have a machine behind you. Mm-hmm. It, or it, it would be kind of wise to have that machine mm-hmm. because, again, like you said earlier, even with that situation, just like in a music game, learn all you can while you're up under that, that deal. Mm-hmm. And when that, that deal is up, you can branch off on your own and do your own thing. Okay. Wise words, wise words. Uh, any last words? Man, it's an honor. Uh, I've really been looking forward to doing something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been been doing a virtual thing for like the last year and a half with, with uh, other people, mm-hmm. uh, people I've, I've collabed with, but definitely nice to be in, in person with somebody who took the time to let me, you know, say my story or whatever. So it's dope. All right. It's Everyday Celebrity Podcast, and we are out. You.